Hey guys, before we get started today, wanted to remind you that the Mina Kime show featuring Lenny is presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. And before the show begins, I also want to remind you to check out Stanford Steve and the Bear for the latest betting angles and leans ahead of the second weekend of the tournament. You can find Stanford Steve and the Bear wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Minicom Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks Elijah Moore is wide receiver one because of his celebration at the Egg Bowl. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. I am not talking about the draft today, but I am joined by someone I'm, I'm pretty sure watched the Egg Bowl, uh, CBS Sports senior NFL reporter, longtime friend, not of the program, but of myself. I don't think he's ever met Lenny. Jonathan Jones. Welcome to the show. I'm happy to be here. Unfortunately, I have never met Lenny, but I look forward to uh, to our introduction now. You, I feel like you, you don't cover college football, but you watch it pretty avidly. Are you like UNC? You, I, I actually don't remember who you're yeah. a fan of. No, I, I did. I went to North Carolina. I did um, Yeah. And so I, I watched it more, obviously, coming out of college. But the more and more I get mm-hmm. involved in the NFL, the less and less I watch of live Saturday college football. Mm, mm. Mitch Trubisky. That's, mm. yeah. Is he, is he the highest drafted UNC player ever? Yeah, yeah I think he and Lawrence Taylor were oh, both yeah. two. Um, but yeah, Mitch, it, when, when he went, everyone who, you know, all the UNC fans were like, hey, that's great for him, great for our program, but I don't know about him being the top quarterback in this class. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I, it, <laughs> revisionist history, no, I, Frankly, nobody was taking Mahomes number one, right? Right. Like, but everyone in in my part of the country, and I'm based in Charlotte, we were all like, "Hey, how about that Deshaun dude?" Yeah, uh, that's Lenny barking in the background. I don't know if you can hear him. He must yeah. he must not nice like that intro. Him. He must actually not be an Elijah Moore enthusiast. Uh, we're not talking about the draft today. Uh, we are talking about free agency, which is kind of wrapped up. There's still some big names out there, but there's been enough action for us to, I think. Distill some larger lessons. I put together six, I think, big questions I have coming out of free agency, and I sent them to you, and I'm very excited to talk about them. We are actually, we're not talking about Mr. Trubisky, obviously, but we are talking about the Chicago Bears, um, quarterbacks, NFC East, the hellscape that is the NFC West. I also, by the way... I texted you when I asked you to do this podcast, um, and I thought you'd be perfect to talk about free agency because you, you know, cover it so closely, and you're on top of all the breaking news. And then when I was texting you, Jonathan, I remembered that like exactly two years ago, you and I were in South Carolina covering the NCAA tournament, which is happening right now, the first round. We were. That was uh, I was down there at a, for a previous employer. We were in Greenville, South Carolina. You were covering. You're on the Zion beat, right? I went down there to do an access story on him and then they canceled. And so I was just there and I ended up doing a write around. <laughs> so yeah. Really so good. much for that access. Uh, I, I remembered your piece and about his, uh, his poetry. And so I, I very much, I enjoyed that for a guy who, who had been in a fishbowl for the previous year to finally find an angle that folks hadn't uh, dove into. That was, that was really neat. Thank you. Um, we got to watch him. Twice, actually, I think, right? That was and they almost lost to UCF. Yes, yes, because t- Taco. That was the Taco yes. Ball game. That was actually it really was. fun. Okay, this and is an NFL podcast. I'm sorry. I'm we're, I'm like taking 
Well, you know what? March Madness is happening right now. So that's right. It's kosher. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it was exciting. It was. And I love watching Zion play. And he, I I was having this conversation the other day and it's like, is there a Duke player that you like? Mm. And he is the only Duke player that I, that I like or that I don't dislike. Yes. That was the strange thing about his time there is that he was so likable. Um, and he is really one of those athletes you need to watch in person, you know, and I think it, I, I haven't seen him play in the NBA, um, but we got to see him in person. That was really fun. Uh, incredibly awkward segue incoming. A player who I have probably never seen play in person is Ryan Fitzpatrick. I have actually never, despite the fact that he's played for 50% of the NFL at this point, um, I have yet to see an in-person Ryan Fitzpatrick performance. But he brings me to my first question. Jonathan, which is, did Washington, Washington football teams, teamers, and the Giants do enough to push Dallas in the NFC East? So um, I left Philly out. I don't, yeah, I just don't, I haven't found anyone who really thinks they're going to be competitive. I mean, I think this is like a let's wait and see, see what you got in Jalen, whatever, but that's a team that, and they're not really fun to talk about because their free agency consisted of like stripping, you know, the rock, but I mean, they did sign Anthony Harris for like nothing, which is probably what yeah, low key better well, signings. But yeah, see what you have in Jalen. Also, see what you have yes. in Nick Sirianni. Yes, hundred percent. But Washington and New York were both very active and did interesting things that I think are worth discussing because, you know, Dallas after the Dak Prescott deal was finally done, they've kind of made a few moves around the margins. Um, adding Keanu Neal, getting Ty Nasecki as a kind of swing tackle. Uh, still have, I think, question marks at edge rusher and corner. But Washington, like, I, I think they might have had my favorite free agency, or at least the one that I'm most excited to see, I don't know, pay off on the field. So just to recap, they signed the aforementioned Ryan Fitzpatrick, one year, $10 million. They tagged Brandon Scherf, who's their, I'm pretty sure he's a pro bowler, well, a pro bowler uh, guard. They signed William Jackson from the Bengals, cornerback, three years, $42 million, and then added Panthers wide receiver Curtis Samuel for three years, $34.5 million. So just starting on, like, do, let's start here. Do you agree with me? Like, do you, do you like what they did, and do you think it makes them an actual competitor in the division? Yeah, I really like what Washington did. Um, you know, I think among the guys, among the quarterbacks that they could get, because not only were they never in it for Russell Wilson or, or were ever really going to be competitive for a Deshaun Watson, um, you had to start looking, okay, well, what's realistic? And it's the Ryan Fitzpatrick coming off really his best year uh, of his career. It's an Andy Dalton. And where is that really going to lead you? Um, I, I, I think that there was a lot of interest in Marcus Mariota, but he still is not uh, able to sign with another team because the Raiders are still holding him hostage. Um, but I, so I like the quarterback move because you're essentially saying, let's build up the team and let's have the strongest team possible around the quarterback position where we don't sell out just because we have to, um, for that position in free agency. Maybe they make a move, uh, at the draft for a guy that they have their eye on, or maybe they just say, Let's let's keep the boat floating this year and let's make our move uh, next free agency. So I thought that they probably overpaid by a million or two on Curtis Samuel, but they wanted him. Uh, and and Ron Rivera really likes him, obviously. William Jackson, I thought, was an incredible deal. 
you look around and you, you they need another pass rusher and they can they can probably keep Ryan Kerrigan as a third down specialist if he comes down off of his number. And so, you know, he's he's still thinking that he's going to get paid a whole lot of money. I'm not sure that that money's really out there, especially at this point in free agency. So they didn't want to mortgage their future for for a quarterback right now. They wanted to keep the boat afloat. I appreciate that. And so I like what they have done, especially uh, on defense. Then when you consider the the sort of offense and the pre-snap motion that they can have with all of those offensive playmakers now that Curtis Samuel's there with Terry McLaurin, I really like what they've done. Yeah, so uh, as far as the quarterbacks go, I think Fitz was the best option realistically available. We're going to talk about the other teams because one of my questions later on is about the quarterbacks and, and Dalton and Jameis and all that. But to me, this is them saying, okay, we're not – realistically in the the top four, maybe even top five quarterback part of the draft, maybe um, a Trey or a Mac falls outside, you know, into closer to us. And then we kind of rethink things and maybe realistically we can make a move, but we're not, it's unlikely. Yeah. And, and so I think they saw the writing on the wall and they're not willing to go absolutely crazy to do whatever it takes to move into that range, especially if they're, they probably have no shot at the top three. Um, as far as like the weapons, I really wanted to talk to you about this because so I'm looking at who they've got. Terry McLaurin, who is a true number one, I believe, his former teammate now, Curtis Samuel. Um, Antonio Gibson, who was one of my favorite picks last year and has really shined. J.D. McKissick even. Logan Thomas is their tight end. These are all major yards after the catch guy. You talked, guys, you talked about um, the pre-snap motion. Uh, the football team uses, actually, uh, it was interesting because when you look at the teams last year who used the most pre-snap motion, it's like a bunch of good teams and then Washington. Uh, they just didn't have the quarterback to really do anything with it because it wasn't, none of the quarterbacks they had were like a credible threat to throw the ball down the field, you know? And um, it, I, 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 the reason I, interested in kind of digging into this with you is because Curtis Samuel comes from Carolina, which is a team you covered closely. Um, and, you know, he wasn't for most of the Norv Turner regime. Uh, he did not thrive. I think last year was his best year as a pro. Um, I did. And I, and I pointed this out when Washington hired Scott Turner in the final two or three games. I can't remember how many games Scott Turner had as interim coordinator, but in those games, Curtis Samuel, you saw used actually more out of the backfield, which is I think how you'd want him to be used in Washington. So having seen him there, knowing what he's capable of from Carolina, like how do you like these weapons fitting together? And how do you like Ryan Fitzpatrick who gets the ball out so quickly and does take risks? Like how do you like his ability to take advantage of those pieces? Yeah, I mean, you, you have a Washington football team that looks at uh, Antonio Gibson as a Christian McCaffrey-like player, right? And so you can see the vision uh, of, of Ron Rivera, and now he has our, uh, Martin Mayhew there as general manager, but he has his old buddy Marty Herney uh, in the front office as well. So it's no surprise that if you if you look at what Carolina did well, um, really sort of in that weird, uh, is Cam gone or is he not? sort of time period with the Christian McCaffrey and with a lot of speed guys up and through this season, you can sort of see that what they want to borrow from. And the interesting thing about Curtis Mina is he had 300 fewer snaps um, this past season, 300 fewer snaps than 2019, but he had 
uh, 300 more yards from scrimmage, wow. uh, oh. you know, about 20 more receptions. Uh, and so I think what Washington looked at more than anything was what he was doing per snap. So not only did he have his breakout year, but he did it with 300 fewer snaps than the year before. Uh, and so when when you see how Joe Brady utilized him, when you saw how Teddy Bridgewater was getting the ball out quickly, uh, you know, sometimes at least until the last two minutes of a half, um, that's what they absolutely want to utilize there in Washington with them. I love that. Um, you know, I, I think and we don't really have to get into defense. We know they're a good defense. They added William Jackson, who I think is an upgrade over Ronald Darby. Still, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the safeties. But the defense is going to be fine. To me, like the only cap on this team is are we going to get the Ryan Fitzpatrick of the last two years? And that's not a given. Like the dude is the most, the like, you know, not even on a season to season basis, but on a like three to four game basis, he is a roller coaster. So I think it is a, it's not a leap, but it's, it's an assumption uh, that he's going to be even as good as we saw. He has been, he was in Miami. So, but if he is, if he is as good in Miami, I'm going to have trouble picking between him between Washington and Dallas. Now, the Giants, on the other hand, I still see, I, I, I think they, they made some interesting signings. They made some huge signings, um, but I think there are still some holes on this team. So the, the big signings, just to kind of recap what New York did, Leonard Williams, three years, $63 million. Um, that's DeForest Buckner, money for a player who until last year did not look like DeForest Buckner. But really, I, I talked about him with Chris Long when we talked about the free agent pass rushers, really flourished in Patrick Graham's scheme. And then on the other side of the football, Kenny Galladay got four years, seven. I mean, you talked about the Curtis Samuel deal. Jeez, yeah. geez, Kenny Galladay's, he was really, because A-Rob and, um, A-Rob did not flow off my tongue as the way That's I thought okay. it would. I, you know, I know, you know, I type that and it's different from saying Alan Robinson and um, Chris Godwin, who are the with Kenny Galladay, I think the top three, they got tagged. So you didn't really see any other receivers get big money. He got four years, $72 million. So how do you like those two deals? Um, and then they signed John Ross, Devontae Booker, some smaller stuff. Like, but those were the big ones. What do you think of them? Yeah, those those were the bigger ones. So like Devontae Booker, I liked. Uh, the John Ross deal is a good deal, especially if he doesn't even make the team. You, but if he does make the team and remembers how to catch and needed to change the scenery, that's going to be fantastic for you. Uh, Nate Solder's back as well, so that's good. Leonard Williams, I mean, at, you had to uh, because of what uh, of what you traded for him a while ago and how uh, Patrick Graham utilized him in that defense and moving him around and just finding production, uh, both sacks and pressures from lining up across the defensive line. So you knew he had to be back. And I don't mind that that's a three-year deal, uh, even though you know, you're probably going to be in this same situation in two years when he wants to re-up. The, the Kenny Galladay one, they overpaid. I don't, I don't know who they were competing with. Uh, the fact that Galladay wanted $18 million a year and got that, you know, congratulations to him and, and good job by his agent, Todd France, no doubt about it. But you know, I don't know why the Giants went above 15 because he wasn't going to get a better deal than that anywhere else. Certainly not the years and the guarantees. So that was a lot of money. However, I say this all the time with guys like if this is and so I'll apply here to the Giants. If this is what unlocks Daniel Jones. Yeah. Then who cares if it was 18 versus 15 million dollars per year? 
So I feel the same way, but I also wonder, is this going to be the thing that unlocks him? Because on one hand, Kenny Galladay, big outside receiver, contested catch guy, throw the ball down the sideline, which Daniel Jones loves to do, right? Like he, 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 and he has, he's been good going deep, but, um, and he is not afraid to throw those 50-50 balls. And so on one hand, like, I feel like they're going to have big plays. There's like high big play potential. But then on the other hand, they cut Kevin Zeitler and there are holes all over the offensive line. And then they paid $12 million over two years to Kyle Rudolph when they already have Evan Ingram. Like I, so my immediate reaction to the Galladay deal was like, great. Now you can evaluate Daniel Jones ahead of the contract and see if he's actually the guy. But then on the other hand, I'm like, okay, but then his big flaw is taking these crazy fumbles and sacks and pocket presence, and you just like debilitated his offensive line. And also, Jason Garrett is us offensive coordinator. So, well, and that's like, and that's what I want to be able to evaluate him, you know? Right, and that's the tough part, and that's that's the thing when you talk about unlocking Daniel Jones. I mean, we can go into all right, maybe they overpaid for Kyle Rudolph, and what about the guard spot and all that stuff, but. It's, it's going to come down to Jason Garrett, and it's going to come down to if he decides. We talked about motion just a little bit ago. I mean, this is a team that just didn't – they didn't utilize motion. They were stuck in 1997. Um, and they had success when, uh, when they did utilize motion. And so I liked how he started to open up the playbook as we sort of got into November last year. And you were we were always wondering, like, okay, well, where was this before that? Maybe some guys weren't all caught up to speed. But at this point, you have the weapons. Daniel Jones understands that fumbling and, and valuing the football has been an issue. He started taking better care of the football as the season went along. And so if he can shore up that flaw, it's then on Jason Garrett. But, it, you know, I don't want to grade Daniel Jones on a curve, but uh, there are severe limitations to the play calling there. Yeah, I, I will see. I think it almost reminds me, Jameis at times had a bit, so I think he has a lot of similarities to Jameis Winston, quite frankly, sure. um, in terms of like strengths and weaknesses. And Jameis also at points in his career had really good weapons, but then a slightly dubious offensive line or run game. Daniel Jones gets Saquon back this year, but I, or, you know, at times I didn't love the play calling there. And I do wonder if he's going to like his career, it, you can see a situation where the trajectory is similar. That's my concern. Um, like you, I like I like Leonard Williams. I think that was a lot of money given how much some pass rushers have gotten paid. We'll talk about it. But they put themselves in a difficult position. Unfortunately, they're still really missing edge rush. Um, it's been reported that they're in pursuit of Tory Jackson. You know, the secondary uh, definitely took a leap forward last year. So we'll see how that goes. I guess just to kind of wrap it up, like right now, I still see it as... Dallas, Washington in that top tier, then New York, then the Eagles. But if Galladay really, like if if Jones like puts it together, which is the obvious thing to say, then I think New York has enough stars on their roster now where they could actually compete. Yeah, I think I think with Dallas, the big question marks are obviously at the head coach spot. Uh and then, you know, the defense where they're still trying to figure out defensive tackle. And yeah, they got Urban and, and Carlos Watkins, but the linebacker play took a huge step back last season. Um, you still got to figure out the other corner situation. And so, yes, I do believe in Dak Prescott. And I do believe that he'll b- bounce back from that injury um, and and hopefully pick up right where he left off. But I don't know if the Cowboys are going to outshoot 
another team. And then when you get to Washington, we talked about it. It's it, how it is, is Fitz going to have a bad day on a bad day? Um, and then we're right to not even really consider Philadelphia. All right. Next question. What was your favorite and least favorite? Let's start with the favorites. Tell me your favorite signings slash signings. Okay. Uh, I'll keep it. I'll keep it at a team on this one okay. for my favorite. And it was Buffalo. And I love how they took care of their own and they got Matt Milano at an incredibly cheap deal because he could have hit free agency and gotten a couple million more per year. Um, they got, they took care of Feliciano and that's really a, just a one year deal, even though I think he signed a three year deal. They took care of Daryl Williams. So they're strong up front. They kept uh, the middle of their defense. And then they were also aggressive. Like they were in on Gronk. They added Emmanuel Sanders uh, so that they continue to help their franchise quarterback. And then the Trubisky deal that they were able to get him for so little as insurance. That's fantastic. So I thought that Brandon Bean and his entire staff up there uh, had a really good free agency, especially considering that they didn't have any money to play with. Yeah. And didn't really lose anyone. I mean, I, you know, I love John Brown, but if you had to lose an area, or if you had to pick a position group to lose someone, it would obviously be wide receiver on the team. Um, Emmanuel Sanders will be, I mean, a really nice spot for him i think yeah, uh, yep. and another player they, they um keeping daryl williams i thought or um signing daryl williams rather that that to me i can't remember the size of that contract let's see it was a it was a pretty good deal for daryl especially considering he had a he had a pretty serious knee thing in uh in carolina so the fact that he was able to bounce back and and get get some money was uh was good for both sides Yes. Um, right after a year there. So yeah, I think that they had like that quiet, good free agency <laughs> where um, like, I think it would have been more alarming had they lost either Williams or Feliciano or Milano for that matter. That's, we saw that's that. right. That they, that they kept those guys together. Um, and when you consider the deals that they've gotten done, especially like that Trey white deal from last year, they yeah. continue to get really good deals for their guys, whether they want to stay in Buffalo or whether they sort of just kind of trick the agent. The Trubisky one is just all upside for them. So I think that's especially to, again, like it's always an ongoing debate. Do you want uh, a quarterback who has similar skills or different skills or whatever? I feel like with increasingly you're seeing teams around the NFL where like having a backup quarterback who can run is a great skill set. Cause if you just need him in that one game in relief to kind of come out of nowhere and do some stuff and confuse right. the defense, um, Trubisky would seem to be a good option for them. And the last thing he doesn't have to be the backup for all 16 games and into the postseason. He could be a fantastic trade ship at some That's point. True. If, if Josh Allen is playing incredibly well and at an MVP level and somebody goes down somewhere and they're willing to throw a, a day two pick maybe <laughs> at Buffalo. Like, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, he cost him like absolutely nothing. So that makes a ton of sense. Um, all right. I'll, I'll go my positive one. Um, I really like what the Jets did. I, yeah, Washington, the Jets. I also like the Browns. I didn't choose them, but I like the stuff like they did. Too. I liked a lot of those basically stealing the half of the Rams secondary. Um, but <laughs> it's a good strategy. But the Jets, um, okay, so they, they were pretty active with a lot of money. They tagged Marcus May. Um, they also, the, the, but, 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 uh, recently just added Sheldon Rankins, which I thought was interesting. Can he get back to a couple years ago form upside play? Um, not too expensive money in front of me, but 
the big signings for them were Carl Lawson and Corey Davis. Both, so Corey Davis, both three-year deals, both around $40 million. Uh, Corey Davis a little bit less, Carl Lawson a little bit more. Both outside the top 15 of their position in average annual value. I think that's terrific, and I think those deals are going to look really good in a year. Now, Corey Davis, we know the wrap on him, only has had one really good year, obviously didn't live up to his draft status, but you know, came into this free agency as like below that Galladay Robinson, a Rob, um, Chris Godwin tier, but it was the first guy I think that most people thought of. And then with Lawson kind of similar, although I think you could argue that he really belonged in that top tier. Um, the Bengals weirdly let him go and then paid so, Hendrickson so- a lot of money, which I don't understand, but that defensive line of Lawson, Quinn and Williams, now Sheldon Rankins, that's like, Pretty nice. Um, It just feels like they chose really good pieces to add to their young core at not like blow out the bank prices. I'd agree with that. I think that Joe Douglas has made some really good decisions, obviously, with the deal that Seattle gave him last year. Um, I mean, no doubt about it. You could question the Joe Flacco signing from last season, of course. And then uh, whatever they're going to wind up getting for Sam Darnold when they trade him. We can judge that. But so far, uh, he seems to to be the, the quality GM hire that we were told when he was hired. Yeah. Jameson Crowder is still on the team, right? Last I checked. Yes. Or, okay. So that's an interesting one because they signed Keelan Cole also, who saved me a few weeks during my fantasy season. Um, but that mix, right? Like, so you got Denzel Mims, who I like, you know, he had his moments last year. He was injured much of the season, but he's big, fast. The combination of him, Davis, Crowder, Cole, like they still need tight end, but that's a, that's a decent group to work with. That is. That is going to be a great group for Zach Wilson to work with. <laughs> Poor Sam. <laughs> um, okay, now your least favorite. Whew. Uh, okay, so signing-wise... Uh, it was the Nelson Aguilar signing. I, I didn't like that. I mean, again, I'm, I'm very pro player. So congrats to Nelson Aguilar, uh, on getting, what was it? Two years and 22 million or or something around there from, from the Patriots. Uh, that was just a complete misread of the market by new England. Clearly. Uh, I mean, I, I, I appreciated them being aggressive. I didn't have any issue with them spending money. It's just like, you could have got him for two years and. 16 and a half. Um, And so that was my least favorite signing. But then my least favorite for the teams is is the Indianapolis Colts who. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yes. Okay. So just Mm. like real quick, like they, they, they got good deals on Marlon Mack and and Xavier Rhodes, like really good deals there. Um, But I'm still waiting on their wide receiver. And that's, that's apart from T.Y. Hilton. They can do whatever with him. I'm still waiting on wide receiver. We're still waiting on the left tackle. We're still waiting on a pass rusher. And they're putting a ton of faith into Carson Wentz. Uh, And so I, and then they had the fourth most money uh, to spend and they didn't spend it. So sometimes it's okay if you stand pat. I'm not all that, I don't care that the Jacksonville Jaguars didn't go hog wild like they have the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Colts, like you you have some obvious holes, like fill them. Yeah, they have, they still have, I think 35 million uh, right now in cap space. I think 
we yes, 35 million. We're at a point now where like Chris Ballard, it's like, okay, good, good, conservative, don't blow the bank, you know, like I that's the second time you used blow the bank. Um, is that even a phrase? Do you blow a bank? Like, I, blow, I, I don't I don't phrase, know phrasing. You do. Um, okay. Anyways, I feel like Colts fans are starting to turn on Chris Ballard because um you know, it's like he built this team the right way and they've drafted really well and like been really smart and been targeted. And last year they went and got divorced Buckner. And I love that. I said, great. This is the kind of guy you save money to go after. So you go into this season and they have a ton of needs and a ton of money. And very few teams in the NFL had a lot of money going to this free agency. So I thought, okay, maybe they're not going to go after the Galladays and the Bud Duprees, but there's that next tier of wide receivers, your Will Fullers, um, you know, your uh, Carl Lawson. Well, Carl Lawson's actually more than the Duet Dupree. Well, you're, 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 you're Villanueva at tackle. Whatever. There's just so many positions. And, like, they did nothing. I mean, they brought Marlon Mack, who I – that's that was actually really confusing to me. I mean, they didn't pay him anything. But yeah. um, they kept Xavier Rhodes, which I liked. But Danico Autry's gone. I think Justin Houston's still a free agent. Pretty sure, right? Yes. Um, yeah, so I just I, I saw that they were in the mix for Fuller, but I I'm confused because again the cap's going to go up next year. This is the year where you had the spending advantage to other teams, and you also, by the way, you Carson Wentz needs to look good, like immediately. I think yes. people are going to be very unhappy. So I. I imagine Colts fans are not happy with how we're taping this on Monday, by the way, maybe by the time this comes out, some crazy stuff's happened. I don't know. Jadevian Clowney's still out there. That would be a good signing for them. But yeah, I'm 1000% with you. We're like in Ballard. We trust is kind of reaching that point where I think fans are like, you know, well, then what was yours? What, what was your least favorite? Oh, yes. Um, I'm sure. OK, my producer just texted me. You blow a budget and you break a bank. Thanks, Stan. Um, I, yep, I, no, that I, sounds I right. Idioms wrong all the time. OK, <laughs> this one I feel Newton. like <laughs> uh, this one I feel like was really obvious. And um, you probably would have done it if I didn't text it to you, which is I don't know what the hell the Ravers are doing. So um, <laughs> it's. The Raiders, it's funny because they, they've, they've done some things I don't hate. Like, um, yeah, like, you know, Ngakwe, two years, 26 million. It's not as reasonable. Uh, John Brown, 3.75 million. Great. Uh, but then they went out and they decided, so they traded Trent Brown, Rodney Hudson, and Gabe Jackson, basically blowing up their entire offensive line. Uh, Hudson to Arizona, who we'll talk about. Gabe Jackson to Seattle, who we'll talk about in the, in a, later in the next question. So, I, again, this is befuddling. Like, why are you doing this? This is the strength of your team, the offensive line's been. And I thought, okay, well, if they're doing it to save money to then spend on the defense, I kind of get it. I mean, defense has been this team's weakness. Maybe they feel they can attack the, like, some parts of the offensive line in the draft or get some bargains. Then they go out and they sign Kenyon Drake to a two year, $11 million deal. And that's where I just like it. And not in a like nerdy, all running backs don't matter kind of way in a, you have Josh Jacobs kind of way. 
why is that where you're spending money? And why are you robbing your offensive line to pay a okay running back who's coming off of a down season? Nothing about this makes sense to me. I cannot find, I guess the justification is maybe he's like a pass catcher, but like the offense exploded when Derek Carr started airing the ball downfield. Why do you want him throwing the running backs anyways? Like, I, I don't know. I, Raiders fans I, have to be furious with this. Yeah, they, they do. And kind of in a vacuum, I guess each one of those offensive line moves makes sense. Like Trent Brown was was not playing well, not playing up to his deal in Vegas and, and didn't want to be there. Okay, so you deal him. And then you look at a Gabe Jackson and, okay, well, that's a big number. And maybe his play slipping a little bit. Ask him to take a little bit of a pay cut. He doesn't want to. All right, well, now we'll deal you because – we don't want you playing at that number. Okay. And now Rodney Hudson's looking around and he, you know, this is before incognito announces he's coming back. He sees two of his boys already gone, maybe a third. And he's like, well, I don't want to be here. And so then he wants to be released. And then obviously uh, before you release him, you trade him and you get a really good deal from the Cardinals. I think it was a third round pick. So in a vacuum, uh, uh, individually, I get each one of those offensive line moves, but you can't do them all together. And the running back. <laughs> That's just... That's horrendous. Like if they had used the savings and finally added, I don't know, Kyle Fuller, I feel like there would be less anger out there. Right. right. <laughs> I don't. I don't get it. I just don't get it. I don't, Derek Carr has to be furious. He does, and you know, also Gruden just has not earned himself any benefit of the doubt. Like the benefit of the doubt that he had two and a half years ago, the capital from that is is now vanquished. Yeah, it's, I don't know, especially with like the Chargers going out and fixing their offensive line for Herbert, which I'm not talking about, but, um, and then the, the Broncos who got Fuller, like the other teams in your division, I think all got better. Um, we'll talk about the Chiefs at the end. So I, I just don't get it. So that to me is the biggest question mark. All right, I alluded to the next question and I phrased it. I'm fascinated to know what this question means. I phrased it, why is the, and I also teased this language earlier, why is the NFC West an apocalyptic hellscape? I, does it feel like everyone signs there? Or what, you know, that's not really true. I don't know. It's frustrating. Um, <laughs> NFC West, well, because the, the only my only caution is like we did this last season. I was like, the NFC West, more like the NFC best. And then it was okay. I mean, you know, the, the Niners, it wasn't there. They had a lot of injuries. And right. then the, Arizona kind of imploded near the end, and then Seattle and the Rams both went to the playoffs. But it does feel like, like when I sit back and look at all the divisions right now, the N- NFC West just got even stronger in a scary way. Um, I think Arizona was like the flashiest. Well, the Rams signed Matthew Stafford, so that's the flashiest thing. But and they paid Floyd a bunch of money. So you know what? Let's start with the Rams. Okay. Okay. So the Rams signed traded for Matthew Stafford. We already talked about that. Put them in precarious. Um, cap uh cap situation and as i suspected i actually really predicted this that that john johnson would go to the browns i even tweeted it and then i bragged about it with a little emoji but in any case they lost uh john johnson and troy hill they paid leonard floyd four years to 64 million dollars and then they uh retained darius williams very good restricted free agent and then they just signed deshaun jackson um which makes a lot of sense because you want a deep threat for stafford not sure how much he's left in the tank um I so I'll just start here, hot and cold. Really like the Stafford trade. Have talked about that a bunch. I think it's whatever. Go go all in, move on, rip the band-aid. Great. 
I don't love this Leonard Floyd deal because if I'm the Rams and my defensive coordinator just left and I'm like, okay, I've got two all-world players in Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Aaron Donald, I have seen that everyone who plays next to him is awesome. Jalen Ramsey also really helps his group, but I think like John Johnson was more special than Leonard Floyd. Do you disagree with me? Uh, that's tough because you're right. It's it's like it's like Trey Hendrickson. Uh, I, I look at him at the Bengals, and I look to the Bengals, and I'm like, well, there's no Cam Jordan over there, yes, so you better believe. You know, and so yeah, like Leonard Floyd, he did really stand out last year, and so you have to wonder. How much of that was Aaron Donald? How much of it was Brandon Staley? Uh, that, that is a lot of money to pay him. But as we know, right, the, the, the position that got paid this year was edge rusher because you look at the draft, a place that the Rams typically over the last four or five years with, with their draft philosophy, they probably would have relied on the draft for an edge rusher because they would have said, wow, that this market's too crazy for us. We don't have the money. We're just going to hope that that the guy that we get will come on in the second half of the season. Well, you don't know of any of these edge rushers really, especially where the Rams are going to be picking, if anyone's going to come on in their second year, much less in the second half of the season. And so uh, that's sort of, it's your Sophie's choice at that point. And I think that you then have to pay the guy that you, that you know in Leonard Floyd um, in order to keep him. I did like the the tender for Darius Williams, of course. Um, and you're right about Deshaun Jackson. He's the guy that, you know, we'll see. You, you probably don't want him running too many routes and too many games uh, with all yeah. of the soft tissue over the time. But I, and then, yeah, the Stafford one, the fact that you were able to outbid everyone uh, when plenty of teams had a, had a pretty good right to Matt Stafford, uh, that you could get out of the Jared Goff contract to get Stafford. That's That's pretty good to me. Yeah, I think your analysis of the Rams thinking makes a lot of sense. They saw what they can, the kind of production they can get out of Floyd. I just think if there's an area of this team on offense or defense that's likely to regress, it's going to be the secondary. Like, I know they like their rookies, um, Terrell Burgess. It's confusing. They've got Terrell Burgess and then Terrell Lewis, who's the pass rusher um, out of Alabama. But then, you know, Taylor Rapp's going to come back from injury. So there's depth there. It's just, I think that that's... It, the, the defense they had ran last year was very complicated. I think they are counting on the fact that the offense with Stafford is going to be better enough to compensate for that. And you know what? That is a totally reasonable bet. Meanwhile, the Arizona Cardinals just built the most fire team of 2015. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I was wondering actually, what year you were going to pick. They actually did some really Okay. So in summary, JJ Watt, we know, um, Gosh, the inter- that deal was like broken so early. Yeah, it's an overpay. Um, but so you got Watt Golden, which was an underpay, I think. Marks Golden, big time. And then um, Chandler Jones comes back. So the pass rush, they lost to Son Reddick, who was kind of productive near, who was productive near the end in Chandler Jones's absence. And then on the other side of the football, um, they're the team that traded for Rodney Hudson. Love that for them. They signed AJ Green. I'm sorry, very mean AJ Green, but did not look. No, did not look like right. himself last year. Tough scene. Uh, and then um, Calvin Beecham, which is a, a decent depth signing for the offensive line. So I think that they are like, they sign good players and I like some of those guys, but I think I look at this roster and I still see the same issues I saw at times last year 
which were secondary and wide receiver too. And I just don't think those have been fixed. Yeah. yeah. It, it, they obviously bring AJ Green on thinking that last year was just a complete anomaly. Um, and, you know, truthfully, maybe it was like Cincinnati doesn't really have their stuff together. And so if AJ Green was like, I don't want to be here anymore, which he essentially was mouthing on the sideline midway through the season, then uh, it would make sense that that impacted his play in some way. So I'm not willing to say that he's washed, but he looked washed in 2020. I, I'm going to need another year and it was some new scenery there. If he is 20, if he, if he is 75% of 2017 AJ Green, then I think that this is pretty solid for them because you can really make Christian Kirk into what uh, it takes even less pressure or it takes more pressure off of him. And so I do like that. I'm at the point where I don't know what excuses Cliff Kingsbury is going to have if they can't get it done with this group. And they obviously faltered down the stretch last season. So uh, this isn't an all world free agency class. Well, I mean, it was <laughs> to your point in, in 2015, um, you know, Patrick Peterson, he, he's not the, the, the all decade guy that he was, but he's, he was still pretty good, good enough to, to get a, a deal up to $10 million <sighs> there in Minnesota. It's going to be so depressing to see him in a Vikings jersey. That's going to, you know, like some of the, ugh, it's usually like when guys come to Arizona, like in that late career, you're like, ugh. but I feel like the Vikings are entering that territory for me now. We're like, yeah, I think he'll look good in the purple though. That's a, that's a really good look for you. Yeah. As he gets burned. Down the oh. sidelines, gonna yeah. Mm, sorry. Well, um, they had to like you know bring in some old guys. They had to let some old guys. It's just I don't know. I mean, it really comes down to Kyler for them, right? Like, and I, st it'll be interesting to see in the draft. And they did give up a third for Hudson. Um, if they go wide, I feel like wide receiver and corner are two areas they need to hit, and yeah. I mean, a young wide receiver could really do a wor world of good for the Cardinals. Yeah. Let's take a quick break before we talk about the Seahawks. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. So this was a big free agency for Seattle because uh, they have a quarterback who is reportedly not very happy and don't um, haven't talked about that at all on my various platforms and networks. But it's a thing I've heard is going on. So let's just start here. Do you think they made Russell Wilson happier? I mean, I mean, uh, huh? I, I, say what you think. I, I have I've never understood the the Russell like I'm unhappy I am displeased for for any number of reasons like he does and has had say 
and they have brought in guys that he likes and the offensive line was getting built up a little bit. And yeah. Okay. So they, they added again along the offensive line. Um, but what, what else do you want? Like you're, you're going to the playoffs every year and, and you're, you're paid handsomely. And so your contract isn't aging poorly. And when you say I'm tired of getting hit, well, you know, and you say that less than a month before free agency starts or a month before free agency starts, what do you think that's going to do to the value of those guys who are hitting free agency? I had an agent who texted me. It was like, I mean, he, he's, he screwed their business. Oh. Um, so, and that was an interesting perspective that I hadn't considered. So I, it, it was, it was, it was like Russell was looking at Aaron Rodgers, who's one of the smartest people in football, um, who, who very subtly, uh, but also as subtle as a sledgehammer said what he needed to say in the post-game press conference. He saw the, the, the leverage that Deshaun Watson at the time was utilizing. And he said, oh, Hey, I can do this too. But he did so in such a kind of clumsy, Mr. Unlimited way that it never made any sense. Wow, you just took a flamethrower. I didn't see that coming. I, didn't, <laughs> I just, I didn't get it. I still no, don't get it. It's and coming then, in. Well, well and, and then the, the, the places that he wanted to go. I mean, why? I can't do why this. I can't, yeah, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't do the whole trade stuff because, it, yeah, it, it's all right. Free agents. <laughs> um, look, I okay. So look, I, I think. Mm, how do I put this? I think like the reason like, there's a critique to be made of like Wilson. It's like you know what you have two good wide receivers and you had a good running back, and so I don't really like certainly some of the places he wanted to go have worse <laughs> options. Um, I, I think the complaints about the offensive line. He doesn't have the worst offensive line in the NFL, certainly not the best. In particular, the interior we saw at the end really crumbled. So what did Seattle do? They went out and they reportedly were in the – they were competing for Kevin Zeitler, which would have been a nice pickup for them, but they missed out on that. So they got um, – they traded for Gabe Jackson, who, you know, it's it's he makes a fair amount of money. It's like $9 million a year. Um, coming off of a down season for him, he's above average, I think. He's yes. comp- competent. And so now you've got – what Brown, who's actually good, uh, Gabe Jackson, guard, centers, Ethan Posich, not great. Uh, and then Damian Lewis, the rookie at LSU, who, who had some really nice moments last year, struggled a little bit at the end. And then Brandon Shell. That's a fine offensive line. They uh, signed Gerald Everett. This is actually a deal I really loved. Uh, $6 million. I loved it, especially next to the Patriots tight end to Palooza. Um, great value. You know, he never really broke out especially well, he broke out a lot against the Seahawks and maybe that's why they signed him but well they also brought the Rams offensive um he was not their offense coordinator but the passing game coordinator Shane Waldron who clearly likes him very athletic um I think in that offense especially given some of the issues that the Seahawks offense struggled with down the stretch uh which was that lack of a kind of short to short intermediate passing game when de- defenses were really taking away the deep passing game. Uh, and I thought the absence of a tight end, um, or at least a, a very good tight end, really hurt Seattle at the end. And so I think this is actually not just a good signing because I like the player, but I think it's a good signing because of their particular needs. Um, so I like, now, like Witherspoon. Witherspoon, I thought, was yes. a pretty solid addition when you knew that you were going to lose. 
uh, Shaquille Griffin. Great value for him. So they, now they just need a wide receiver three. They lost David Moore to Carolina. And then um, I think that's something they could really get somewhere for value. And then to me, just edge rushers, the question mark. Carlos Dunlap's still out there. Jadavian Clowney is out there. I think yeah, Houston's out there. So there's a few guys. I think they'd have to probably restructure either Wilson or Wagner to make it work. But I think that would be another sign that they're <laughs> trying to compete now and not trading Russell Wilson. Um, so Witherspoon, you mentioned he, he comes from San Francisco, which has actually kept most of their secondary, minus Witherspoon and Richard Sherman, who's still a free agent as well, intact. They re-signed uh, Jason Verrett, one year, five and a half million. Emmanuel Mosley, uh, looks like this today, Jakuski Tart. Yep. Uh, so kept Jimmy Ward. So that was the secondary where I was like, dang, all these guys are free agents. Well, most of them say stay. They also kept Trent Williams on a monster deal. Uh, six years, uh, up to $140 million, $55 million guaranteed that just compared to most of the deals going around right now. Whew. Uh, and then they went out and got Alex Mack, who of course Kyle Shanahan knows, uh, paid Kyle Juszczyk. I like all these deals. I think the Trent Williams one is a little rich. But for his age, obviously, he's still probably going to be good for a couple of years, though. Um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of like everything they did. I guess the use check deal is a little rich, but, you know, it's yeah, you check is, is, you know, you know, they're going to do it. So, yeah, and that's it. And and that was that was sort of a buddy deal. I think with Trent, it is a big deal. However, I think it's really like a three year deal with, with an out. It's really a three year. OK, we're going to see how you're playing at 35, 36 years old, and then it'll it'll be year to year at that point. Uh, but this is probably the last contract that Trent Williams gets. Um, and then, you know, they still, at some point between now and Labor Day, have to extend Fred Warner. Um, yes. And so there, there's going to be that at some point that we all understand and know. And then it's, what do you do with Jimmy Garoppolo? And um, I, I, I don't know. I had sort of, I had... Uh, Deshaun penciled in into San Francisco for a while and uh, events of the past week have, have changed that for me. And so I, I don't know if you roll with Jimmy G uh, in 2021. And I don't think that San Francisco knows that yet either. Mm. Yeah. I, they're picking 12th, which is in that, like, you know, I mentioned earlier that Washington was picking 19th and I thought, you know, them getting Fitzpatrick means they don't have to, they can spend that on their left tackle, which is a position they need. Um, whereas San Francisco, it's like, okay, we, we're at 12. We can get a corner. We can do a few different things, but we can also get back Jones if we want him or potentially get into Trey Lance territory. Although I think that might be kind of difficult right now. Um, and you know what you mentioned Deshaun Watson. So let's just you know, my next question was about the quarterbacks, but like, I'll, I'll just kind of lay this out. It is Monday. Uh, at this point, there have been 13 civil lawsuits, I think. I mean, God, it is literally, I'm not trying to make light of it. It's changing by the hour. Uh, Sarah Barshop, who covers the Texans for us, is constantly reporting these new uh, lawsuits alleging sexual harassment or in some cases assault against Deshaun Watson. Um, I have just like been sitting back waiting for the news to come in, reading the suits. Watson's lawyers have not responded in full yet. Um, I think there's going to be, you know, much more like a, we're going to get not just more information, but also kind of someone kind of synthesizing all of this and explaining what it means. 
for Watson, and I'm not talking about football, just like what it means for his future and and what it means for these women going forward. Um, I like I'm not I haven't been doing takes on this. I've just been kind of going with the news and waiting for it. All I'll just say is like I find I have found the discourse on it already to be incredibly toxic and dispiriting. Um, And the whole story is it's very sad and it is definitely it, it also is coming at this crazy moment where if this like literally a week ago I was you and I were probably on shows talking about well this team's going to do this and this team's going to do that we just don't know now um so I just like I have no idea how this is going to play out not just for the accusers for him but all any of the teams involved in this including Houston it is a black box at the moment for me John yeah, and 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 I think that you handled the non-football element of this extremely well, and I echo and ditto everything that you said from. And so I'll I'll, I'll not have to say that that exact thing that you just said way better than I could, but I will take it uh, to a football to a trade element side because it was what we were all talking about, along with the Dak Prescott contract for so long. And now because we've all sort of gone silent as we all are sitting back watching, not having a take about it as we're trying to figure out and, and synthesize everything. Um, it, it makes it extremely difficult based on the, the volume um, and the, certainly the details in these mm-hmm. allegations for any team to trade what would be equivalent to four first round picks. Uh, because if you do that right now, you are saying to your fans, because there's no way that you can properly investigate a dozen claims um, if you if you go trade for Deshaun Watson this week. And so you're saying, well, we, we investigated and we all know that that's a lie. Um, or you're also saying, well, we didn't investigate and we don't care. And you can't do that. And um, and so there's it's a holding pattern right now. Uh, and obviously... We're all the, the real world, the real life stuff is what's most important here. But it had it was such a gigantic NFL story. Where's Deshaun Watson gonna land? And what yeah. would the Carolina Panthers give up? And now it's sort of disappeared. And I do think that we do have to sort of touch on it and say, no one can do anything right now. Yeah. I would encourage my listeners, if you're listening to this right now. Um, you know, there's been a lot reported about the lawyers and there's all these like insane, frankly, illogical conspiracy theories going around. If you think about actually what Houston, like what this means for them, but I would just encourage you to read the suits, the substance of them, take that in and then consider what you're saying before you say it and what it means to people who are reading it, who it matters to, um, so, but that is that does bring me to my the, the next question I had. It's not about Deshaun Watson. And it's not about um, well, um, San Francisco. I, I want to ask you if any of the quarterback signings thus far move the needle for you. So, uh, we talked already about Fitzpatrick. I think that does move the needle because, as you and I both agree, if he plays like he did the last two years, Washington is actually a competitor because the team around him is so good. But aside from that, you've got Dalton, um, poor Andy Dalton, none of this is his fault, to Chicago, as much as I can say poor, a guy who's making $10 million. Poor Andy Dalton um, to Chicago for $10 million, same as Ryan Fitzpatrick, basically. And then Jameis Winston, and this is really the one I would talk about, staying in New Orleans for, it was $12 million, it reported as a $12 million contract. It's really five and a half with incentives. And, and this is why I'm a little confused, Jonathan. It's being reported that this is a true quarterback competition. So, 
I guess my real question, I kind of threw a fake out, is like, if you're Jameis Winston, why did you sign this deal? I, I mean, don't I don't know. And right? And, and, you know, Sean Payton and the Saints sort of went on that media tour um, after the season ended when everyone knew that Drew Brees was going to retire. Uh, you were locked into the Tasting Hill contract. And it's, hey, we love Jameis. And he's saying all the right things because why wouldn't you butter up Jameis to – ultimately stick around in New Orleans and very likely take less. Um, but if I'm Jameis and I saw that, hey, I had a competition with Taysom last year and they picked Taysom over me every single time, um, wouldn't you want to go somewhere that you have a more legitimate chance to start? Because you just went through this competition and you lost. So I, I, didn't, I, did. I didn't understand that one either. Well, don't you think – I mean – he must like Washington, Chicago must have been in touch, right? Like I, I mean, I thought the case for Jameis taking a little bit less to you know help the Saints do their cap jenga is that's your best option. Although I'm not really sure that's the case with Washington, frankly, and some of the weapons that they've added in that defense. But And maybe they actually weren't interested. But New Orleans, you say you're comfortable here. You can use this year to get your next big contract. But now it's like he might not even have that opportunity to audition. But honestly, though, Jonathan, being New Orleans, that could all be BS. And he could (laughs) have received some assurances. And this could all just be a smokescreen, the tamest stuff. It, it certainly could, Amos, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I know I do it too. Um, if there was, I think that Mariota, if and when he is released, where he lands will probably move the needle. And then the last one, if New England ultimately doesn't make another move at quarterback, the cam signing, hmm. you know, and I think that we've all just been like, okay, well, they signed cam and it's, it's low risk for the Patriots, but they're going to get a Jimmy Garoppolo or they're going to make a move in the draft. But if they don't and they go in with cam you know, that one, I, I certainly did not. It, in December of last year, I had the New England Patriots with a different week one starting quarterback. Cam is making less than Jameis, am I right? Or it's like pretty, he's, their contracts it, are it, pretty it, similar, I think. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's in a better situation now, too. <laughs> I mean, shoot, he's got some weapons, at least, um, and a good offensive line. And he's in the worst situation. I I don't know. Let, let, let me ask you this before we move on to the next question. If Jameis is the starter, how good is this New Orleans team? Oh. Uh. So they kept Marcus Williams. Uh, they let a bunch of that kind of like next tier of guys go. Sanders, Janoris Jenkins, Quan Alexander, Jared Cook, um, and then some backups, Nick Easton. And then, you know, they restructured a zillion contracts to stand the cap. Looking at the roster, it's actually pretty similar. It's just lost a lot of depth. Yeah, there's no depth. And so you get you get right. You get a couple of injuries. And then frankly, you I know we all had the same thought about Drew Brees. We all made the same jokes about his arm strength, but there's there's no replacing his mind. And then the you know, the radio and the helmet cuts off in 15 seconds. Like at at some point, like it's just going to be Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston out there. And it's not the the guy who is pound for pound, perhaps the greatest quarterback of all time, pound for pound uh, <laughs> in NFL history. And so I don't, I, I don't really believe in them. Certainly not in a division that I could see Carolina splitting with them, uh, depending on their quarterback situation. Uh, Tampa, I can see obviously sweeping them. Uh, they're going to be 
facing a very difficult schedule, having been the number one, uh, having been the, the champions of the NFC South. So I don't, I'm not putting any money on the Saints. Yeah, I think, well, you know, coaching gives them, and, and they've still, like, they still have really, really good players. But as you mentioned, like, lose one or two, and suddenly they're thin. And then, of course, quarterbacks just, it. we'll see what they do. I, I don't know. I think they're, they could, Jameis, if he's, if you get, like, that upside, I could see them surprising people. But... Big question mark there. All right, let's take a quick break and then wrap up with a couple more questions. Don't miss the biggest, baddest rematch at UFC 260 as heavyweight champion Stipe Miocci and number one contender Francis Ngannou meet for the second time. UFC 260 on March 27th is exclusively available to ESPN Plus subscribers for $69.99. Visit ESPNplus.com slash PPV. So I already, you sort of answered one of these teams already. I I wrote down, did the Packers, Ravens, and Colts do enough? Sounds like we both agree that the Colts haven't so far. Um, The Packers and the Ravens are, I think, two teams where there's some frustration amongst the fan bases because they're two teams that are very competitive playoff teams. Let's start with the Packers. Uh, I saw it reported today that the it's still possible that they might restructure Aaron Rodgers' deal and open up some cap space. However, um, I think a lot of the players they could have signed with said cap space are off the board. Uh, they were reportedly in the Will Fuller mix. Would have obviously been they were in the Will Fuller mix uh, last uh, the trade deadline. So wide receiver. Two, three, slash three, depending on how you regard Lazard, is still a question mark. And then CB2 and I guess linebacker are areas that have some problems. Um, You know, they lost Corey Lindsley, Rick Wagner, but there's some offensive line depth. I guess I'll just put it this way. The Packers got worse, undeniably. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. And... You know, it's interesting with the Rodgers restructure, like, you know, why didn't you do it before? And why didn't the Packers approach Rodgers camp a little bit earlier to do this? Um, it, it seems pretty clear to me that they were never going to be players uh, in free agency. Um, they had the deal worked out with Aaron Jones, and that's obviously why they didn't tag him. Yeah. Um, but, you know, no one has really signed a lot of their free agents. And when you think about when you look at the, the the remaining list of their free agents, who was going to resign or who was going to sign anywhere in the first week? Like Kevin King, Mercedes Lewis, uh, uh, Tavon Austin, um, uh, Tower Lancaster, like who from there was going to fly off the board? And so I think that Green Bay, like a couple of other teams, Chris Ballard has taken it to the to the extreme, but they understand that, hey, for the middle class of the NFL, there's not going to be any money there, and these guys can wait all they want, but we'll outlast them because there are a dozen of those kind of guys. They're, they are fortunately, unfortunately are a dime a dozen. And so I'm not, I'm not up in arms about the guys that they haven't re-signed uh, or, or taken back in because like the guys who have already left, they weren't going to be able to afford, and the guys that they ultimately do re-sign, there was no rush to do it. Could they be a Richard Sherman destination? Is that crazy? Just looking at the available free agent spots. I mean, I I think at this point in his career, he's interested in 
going to the Super Bowl. So again, he, he's got to be. And the, the spots are starting to dry up, right? Like if he were going to the Jets, he would have gone to the Jets by now, right? Everybody tagged him there because of um, obviously Salah, but like that's not a playoff. Or I mean, maybe they're, play- they're just not, they're not a Super Bowl team. I right. kind of just like, what does Richard Sherman care about? You know, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I he could, I, I could absolutely see it. And, you know, he acting as his own agent could work something out with Green Bay and, Obviously, you know, Aaron Rodgers would have to sign off on it. That's a that's a guy who he'd have to he'd have to be okay with that because I don't think I don't think, Mina, that Aaron Rodgers is going to restructure and free up more money to bring in guys that he's not necessarily signing off on. They have to draft a wide receiver this year, right? They gotta do it. Um all right. So the other team is Baltimore. Um Baltimore has lost, uh, we mentioned Judon. Um, they lost someone else, another edge rusher who's blanking. Ngakwe, of course. Um, they re-signed some of their guys, Pernell McPhee, Tyus Bowser. It's quietly, I think, important for them. Derek Wolf. Uh, and then they signed Kevin Zeitler, which I mentioned, I think, last week. That was one of the earliest signings I really liked for them, in particular because I thought offensive line was as much of an issue for them as wide receiver. Unfortunately, they did not they have not added the wide receiver that so much so many of their fans have wanted everyone's wanted for them frankly anyone who's watched the ravens uh over the last few years has wanted them to get a wide receiver who weighs more than 180 pounds um they were in the mix for juju smith schuster which is who i wanted for them he elected to stay in pittsburgh uh and then there they were linked to galladay at the end um there are still guys out there. I think it was reported this morning that Sammy Watkins might, there might be some interest there. Of course, Antonio That's Brown. That's the guy that I have on my list for them. So you like that for them. So ex- expand on that. Well, I, I like Sammy. I like, um, I like him coming from a winning franchise. I like uh, his big game ability, especially in the playoffs. And I just think, frankly, like it, we don't appreciate the receiver that Sammy Watkins really is because of where he's been and who he's been playing with. But I do think that he can come to Baltimore and, hey, you need somebody to help you get over the hump. Well, why not a guy who's been to the last two Super Bowls, who knows his role, who's ready to spread his wings again? Because, you know, it's not that that he lost a step or anything. He just had to take a step back in his career. I still think that he has it. Uh, Certainly, he has to stay healthy. But I would want a Sammy Watkins for Baltimore over uh, a T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, I so the question is kind of like with Hilton to me. It's like, do you want two speedsters with him and Hollywood Brown? Oh, I Hollywood Brown, Antonio Brown are cousins, of course. Also, that I mean, but Antonio Brown, like whatever reservations correctly people have about him, um, from a football standpoint, that makes more sense to me than a Hilton. Actually, it makes a lot of sense. But um, Watkins is an interesting fit as kind of like a one A type receiver. Brown, I think at this point, Hollywood Brown is clearly a two. Um, you know, playing with in that offense has its positives and negatives. Like it obviously is not a wide receiver friendly, like, you know, I think they put up the lowest yards for wide receiver. Some of that is personnel, but wide receivers, but, but, you know, because of the threat of the run game, you can get open over the middle. Um, and I think having a guy like potentially a Watkins or a Brown who can really make that RPO game sing, um, and, and so that defenses just can't key in all the time on Andrews would be really helpful to them. There's still some, and also, I'd, 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 you know, Melvin Ingram, they still need a pass rusher. So 
I like sure. Melvin Ingram there for the Ravens as well. Oh, uh, Dory Jackson just signed with the Giants. We discussed that a little bit earlier. That's a, that's a nice secondary. Um, interesting team. Exciting. All right. Giants, Giants are interesting. Love, I like that defense a lot. All right. Last question. The Bucks ran it back. The Chiefs did address their offensive line, though they're still an issue, left tackle. Right now, as things stand at the end of free agency for the draft, do you think a rematch is the most likely outcome? Oh, you know, I wrote this after uh, the Super Bowl, and the Chiefs' big issue, I mean, I think we all looked at um, the, the injuries on the offensive line for the Chiefs, right, and, and the pass rush and all that, but it was discipline for these two teams where the Bucks uh, through weeks one through five were the most penalized team in the NFL through weeks six through 17, they were the least penalized team in the NFL, right? Brady brought that Patriot way, got those guys into shape. Meanwhile, the chiefs, what do they have? Like 12 penalties in the Super Bowl? Like you guys have been there before and you were playing this undisciplined ball. Now that's an Andy Reid team. When you go back and look at it and after the game, he was like, hey, it was uncharacteristic of us. And then you heard Chris Jones kind of blaming the refs. Well, the, the Chiefs since 2018, since Patrick Mahomes took over, are, are the second most penalized team in the entire NFL over that time. So, you know, I think that Patrick Mahomes is great enough. I believe that their changes to the offensive line are solid enough, including my buddy Kyle Long. Um, I believe that their defense uh, is consistent enough to make it back to the Super Bowl. But if you're going to continue to play undisciplined ball, you will not win again, especially against a team that is the most disciplined in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I, after the Super Bowl, I was a lot more concerned about the Chiefs defense and the Chiefs offense because I was like, I didn't learn anything about the Chiefs offense in this game, right? Like. Sure. Any right. quarterback behind that offensive line would be bad. And, you know, maybe there were some coaching errors. They should have run the ball like a couple more times, but, you know, whatever. I'm glad that they addressed the offensive line. Tooney, a lot of money. Kyle Long, not a lot of money. Um, like I said, they need to hit left tackle. I think they brought back a couple of guys as well. But the defense, like, I didn't expect them to target that in free agency, but they need guys like your Juan Thornhill um, for example, or like even a Frank Clark to be more consistent. And I think that to me is if there's like a limiting factor for the chiefs and their ability to go back to the question, to get back there and win that to me is it, it's not something on the offense. Um, the bucks brought back everyone pretty much except for Sue Leonard Fournette. Uh, Maybe. anyone else leave? Yeah. Sue Leonard Fournette, AB and two oh, of those three may come back. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so, like, yeah, on paper, <laughs> they should come back. It's, I guess it's just, it's really hard to make it back. I, like, that's not, that's kind of lame, but, like, I, every, like, the, I did not think they were going to be able to keep all those guys. The guys all took team-friendly deals, not all of them. Godwin's franchise tag, but, like, Shaq Barrett did. I think he's great in that scheme i think um i don't think losing sue is going to be a huge issue um i think the secondary is probably going to be better and i also think the offense like yes brady's older but they also started putting it together in terms of uh, the actual play calling at the end of the season so like right now and the offensive line is young so if i had to pick a team from the nfc to make it i would go bucks so yes i right now 
as of this day, March 22nd, I am picking the Bucks and the Chiefs. And then I'm picking the Chiefs to win it. Boom. <laughs> I can't wait for you to be wrong. Boom. All right. Last few questions. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? Dinks and Dunks is presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. Download the DraftKings app today and use code MINA to get in on all of the action. As always, five questions for my guest. Four from me, one from Lenny, who Jonathan has not met. Uh So that's going to make it even more awkward when he asks him an offensive question. Um, All right. Coming up, draft very soon. Going to be a lot of coverage in this space. Promise. Um, Which... Call it, which player, like draft prospect, first round, are you the most in love with? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, I'll I'll throw one sort of off the top of my head, and I'll Trevor take, Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I really do like Justin Fields, and I like Justin Fields in large part because you know, first of all, everyone's saying like, oh, he needs to go through his progressions more and and figure out his reads. And it's like, okay, well, understand what Ohio State's offense was doing, uh, understand how they were just absolutely murking their opponents and how little he actually did have to do that. But then also, like, you go back and watch, I think it was the Rutgers game. That dude is absolutely going through his reads and progressions and lighting up the, the defense. So I, I am excited to um and then you know you hear all the smoke from teams like i'm texting around with a with a bunch of different team sources and they're like oh no i i don't think he's gonna fit us and it's like okay you guys are already planting smoke that Mm. quickly so i have no clue where he's going to go i think everyone Mm. is 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 saying like oh he won't get out of the top four i don't know who's going to go up to go get him though carolina any that's your account (laughs) I, I, I mean, maybe can they, can, but they can't, you, they're not going to do a deal with the Falcons at four. And so, and the Jets, Miami? I think are, and so it's only, it's Miami and <laughs> they're just going to hold an auction, right? Um, Yeah, they should. Uh, did you see Fields ran a 4.41? I think it was, I mean, you know, self-timed, but that, but that, that's, so I've watched all of, I rewatched all of his uh 2020 games and like the, Bad games, uh, aka Indiana and Northwestern, are the two like ones. Um, yeah, the Northwest one was was ugh, yeah. That's the one. That's what really jumps out to me is his speed in those games. Um, I mean, his toughness and like physicality. I mean, the dude is he's a tank. Yes. I uh, so that um, I agree with everything you just said. I really like Justin Fields. I like that answer a lot. All right, can you give us a recommendation for a podcast that is not about football who no i cannot i do not listen to podcasts what okay changing question um that's incredible um a content recommendation it can be a book a movie a tv show anything Ooh. okay all right um i just wrapped up the heaven's gate series on hbo max uh wow. and very much enjoyed that i knew like I, I knew what had happened in the nineties and how they all like, you know, uh, for those who don't know, it was a cult, uh, who believed that a UFO was coming to, uh, take them to heaven, uh, and they committed mass suicide. And so, um, I, but that's all that I knew about it. I had no idea about the background or what they actually believed. So cool little four part, uh, docuseries on HBO Max. Oh, I'll have to check that out. How old were you when that, how old are you now? 
Uh, I'm 30, so, so that, that it was in the mid 90s. So I was a, I was so a kid. You're young, yeah. Um, I barely remember it as well. I just remember the Kool Aid being like very struck by the Kool Aid aspect of it. Um, probably because I drank a lot of Kool Aid that age. Um, that's a good one. I'm in season three of Fargo. I don't know if you've watched Fargo. Oh yeah, TV big show. Fargo guy. It's great. It's great. Um, it started trickling into my voice, which is already sometimes goes Midwestern. And um, I'm very like influenced by what I watch. Like when I watch Love Island, which is my running show, uh, all day I'll be like, oh, you might. And my husband's like, what the hell? Like, do, never do that again. Anyway, so I found myself doing a Midwestern accent at times. Um, question three. We didn't talk about the Patriots much because they were so active at the very beginning of free agency. Grade the Patriots free agency. Uh, ooh, I'll go. I'll go uh, A minus, B plus. Depends on wow. on the grading scale because wow. I'm going to give them. I'm going to give them a 91. So you know, back in, in in Shelby, North Carolina, you had to get 93 to 100 to get an A. But in some other places, <laughs> as long as you get in the 90s. Uh, you get uh, an A. So that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna. I didn't like the Agor signing. We talked about that earlier. Uh, and I didn't like the money that they spent there. But everywhere else, especially the Kyle Van Noy signing, um, those. Yeah. I, I, I'm gonna give them an A, A minus B plus. They're gonna be a lot more fun to watch. I'll put that put out that out there. At least. Um, I don't do graph draft grades. I no one. Well, makes I don't do them either. But you put. Well, them you do product, now. But you did a positive one. So. Um, Question four, draft is in Cleveland. We are hearing, it's been reported that some of the players will be there. Don't really know what the whole scene is going to be like. Last year, you remember we did the at home, who could forget CeeDee Lamb taking the phone from his girlfriend uh, or the other iconic draft moment. That's the only one that comes to mind. I th- Zach Taylor's um, home setup really also. Um, Cliff Kingsbury, of course, his house. Will you miss the virtual draft stuff? Well, I will miss it to a point. However, um, and, I, and I did report this earlier today uh, on this Monday, there's going to be about 15 to 20 prospects in person in Cleveland. Um, but they're going to have a, a, a few dozen virtual setups. Oh, still. so it'll be a mix. It'll be a mix. Oh. And so as much as we all have been wondering, like, how much of virtual will we have in a post-COVID world? Um, you know, virtual is obviously here to stay in any number of areas, but... Uh, I'm not at all going to be surprised to see virtual. Well, virtual is sticking around for 2021 mm-hmm. draft, but it may continue on in the years to come. That's that'll be a nice mix, I think. I really like the GMs and coaches side of it a lot, personally, because I don't know, just kind of you got to see another side of them. I know, um, and I always like trying to look at their draft boards and and gleaning whatever I can. And you I know, like, obviously, we yeah, can never see anything. Yeah, <laughs> I did like the families a lot of the the kids getting drafted i will yeah I, yeah i enjoyed that the different kind of fits they got off and i like the some of the kids wearing their suits and then some not really trying that hard. <laughs> um okay last question as always comes from lenny um just the messenger hmm. huh uh he saw a video of you on the internet wearing multiple michael jordan jerseys during the last, it might have been a TikTok uh, during the last dance, and he wants to know if it's true that you're an adult man in your 30s. <laughs> oh gosh, Lenny, it is true. I am an adult man. I will have you know, Lenny, that I uh, have collected some random jerseys over the years. Yeah, you saw. Um, and uh, and so as I 
was getting ready for the last dance, I'd realized, wow, I have a bunch of random Michael Jordan jerseys, like the unnamed uh, Jordan Bulls 12 jersey that he had to wear in Orlando when his jersey was stolen out of his locker. And so I, uh, I just put them all together. And they're really just jerseys that I like to wear either to a pool um, mm. or when I'm going to breweries drinking with my buddies on Sunday fun days in the summer. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, I am an adult man, Lenny. Thanks for asking. I think that's very cool, Jonathan. 